Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. Well, here we are. We're kissing the weekend, which always means that, you know, somewhere there's a balloon floating with uh, Biden's name on it, uh, a story they are going to cover up or something. Something big is out there floating around. And also, it's a very special day for a large segment of our society. It's St. Patrick's Day. This is true. Yeah, it is. That's right. Uh, you wet in the good evening. You know, you got to be careful with drinking the green beer, though. That's that's true. You got to be careful. You know, if you go in and they offer you some green steak, you don't want that. You know. No, you really don't. No. You know, well, <laughs> I lived in California. Yes, you could actually buy the green beer, and it wasn't. Oh, know, I know St. Patty's beer. Well, listen, you can go out year round. Go around Boston today. You're up in Boston. Go around Boston today. Go into some bar. You, you'll probably find uh, your green beer. Well, yeah, I was going to, there was a brand that, uh, for whatever reason, sometimes they'd brew it and it would be green. And oh. Like, Don't drink that <laughs> no. beer. And it was a major brand. No. You want the kind that has coloring in it, not the kind that spoils, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, no, I believe here in Boston, because of, you know, people getting too rowdy, stuff like that, a lot of the places are closing early and there's a capacity of what they'll allow in the bars. In other words, eh, you know what, you know, it's not what it used to be here. Well... Things change, and so do ethnicities. Boston used to be a huge Irish community. As a matter of fact, there were more Irish at one time living in Boston than were living in Ireland. <laughs> Figure that yeah. one out. I mean, it was enormous. So, And that's true. People go, I can't be. It did, really. I mean, we're talking about between like 1847, which was right. the Irish potato famine, and like 1950. You know, it was a large... Irish community, you know, it, uh, and they still have a large Irish population, but there are a lot of other people there too now in Boston, which probably has changed uh, the landscape a lot. Uh, yeah. Interesting thing, we played the song yesterday, uh, Trump won, and you know it. And number one on iTunes, but then there's a problem. Well, no, no, the, not not with that song. That song is number one. That song is number one. The song that had a problem was. Uh, President Trump and the J6 prisoners. Oh, that, that, one. that song was uh, at one point number one on Apple iTunes, and Apple iTunes pulled it. But this song, the song we played yesterday, is still uh, either number one or number two, depending upon the time of day that you go and check the figures. And uh, it's num- it was number one on their pop chart. Which I think is kind of amazing. Yeah, but don't worry. If they, you know, in the woke world, they will pull it. Oh yeah, it's going to happen sometime. But she's everywhere now. Her uh, song is available, I think, on Rumble, and it's also on Tr- Truth Social. There's a lot of places where you can go and listen to it. So she is yeah. not stuck in one location. But uh, I'm going to play first the song, and then an interview, a short interview with Steve Bannon. She was on Steve Bannon's show yesterday, and it might give you an idea of who Natasha Owens is.
than once. I bet he took New York and carried California as well. He's done it twice before, and he's gonna win again for the third time in 2024. Trump won, and you know it. Trump won, and you know it. Often you hear perfection, but incredible. Natasha Owens, the artist in back of this. Natasha, how did you, the, the inspiration, the lyrics, the music, the energy, the video, the ending, the 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 arc of it? It's incredible. How did you do it? Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on, too. You know, for the past couple years, it's been a saying in my home and a saying with our friends that Trump won and you know it. And so we just kept saying it and it got to where we would I would start singing it in a tune and then got with my producer and one thing led to a next and we had a blast writing it. We came up with all kinds of verses and scenarios, but then had to, a hard time choosing. Well, t- tell us about your background. Give us, give us your give us your history, your artistic uh, arc, your journey. T- tell us about yourself. I'm in the contemporary Christian market. Twelve years ago, my dad was cleaning his guns. There was a bullet in the chamber. It went off and hit him in the heart. And life as I knew it, I thought had ended. And I downsprout into a deep depression. And six months into my depression, my pastor called and asked me to be a music minister. And uh, he's, it saved my life. God crossed me at the, at the right point. So I've been on the road with... Uh, six albums already trying to just spread a little bit of hope and let them know that God loves them. And so last year, my husband said, you know what, we've crossed the political path. You need to do a patriotic album because we love this country. God loves this country. And we just need to uh, put a spotlight on how great it is and how much it took for our for our veterans and our uh, soldiers to guarantee our freedom. So we did a patriotic album, which threw me on this road. And I just wanted to put a little bit of truth out there. No one's talking about it. We get censored. And I just felt like we just needed to sing about it and say what people are too afraid to say. I, I want to find, so we want this song to be number one on iTunes. Where do people go to download uh, Trump One right now? How do, how do they get in back of the song? How do people support this song? I want you to walk us through what you need. This because We have a vast activist audience, and I can tell you already, we played the song at the open of the show, and they absolutely love it. So <laughs> what, are they, what, what, what are they supposed to do today? 
Okay, you can go to NatashaOwensMusic.com. You can go to Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music. You can download it anywhere you get music. Uh, on Truth Social, there's links. Uh, it's Natasha Owens Music. Twitter, Instagram is Tasha Owens Music. Uh, and then Facebook is, is Natasha Owens Music as well. So that would be great. It was number one this morning on the pop charts, um, which is really cool. And then a while ago, it was two, number two on iTunes. So we want it to go up to number one. And I just thank you so much for your support. No, no, no. The audience, look, you nailed it. Somebody uh, very close to me sent it to me the other day, and I was going, wow, what, what is this? I mean, it's, it's just absolutely perfect. Now, for your patriotic album, where do people go? How do people get to your patri patriotic album? You can download it on all streaming and Apple Music, iTunes platforms. You can also go to Natasha Owens Music if you want a hard copy of the CD, which people still want. I also have USBs that look like cassettes for, for cars that do not have CD players. You can still play the music in your car. And your contemporary Christian, uh, where do they get that? And are you touring? Or are there things we can talk about in your calendar that, that people can see you perform live? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of women's conferences this year. We took a back seat on contemporary Christian touring last year when I crossed into the political world. I've been doing a lot of private events from CPAC to singing at Mar-a-Lago, um, you know, about 14 times last year I sang for President Trump. Um, so we are opening up the schedule because I knew this, this song was coming out. Um, I've got a few things on the calendar, women's conferences, but I'm really hoping to be on Trump's rally schedule because I would love, love, love to introduce this song to all his fans at those rallies. Well, we've already talked since with them, so I don't think that's going to be an issue. Uh, Natasha, just fantastic. One more time, we want to make this number one on iTunes everywhere. Where do people go to support you on this song? Uh, go to iTunes and buy it on that. That would be great. Apple Music, Spotify. But you can go to Natasha Owens Music. It, it kind of links you out to everywhere you can buy, whether it's the physical CD or the, um, or the actual downloads. But what will help me more than anything today is just going to iTunes and buying it straight from there. Let's, let's get everybody. Mo, Captain Bannon. Before they take it down. everybody into iTunes. Before they take it down, ma'am, thank you very much. Honored to have you on here. Just a magnificent, thank you, Steve. magnificent I appreciate anthem. So thank you very much. What a talented little lady, huh? That's Natasha yeah. Owens with Steve Bannon on his show yesterday. Um, a whole new career doing the uh, the political thing. Yeah, hear what she said. I'd love to go uh, to his rallies and introduce the song to his supporters there. And I think she Bannon said, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Meaning, yeah, he indicated that uh, he's already talked, so. Yeah. Uh, so and, you know they're close. So oh, they are indeed. So uh, it, it is kind of an amazing. So everyone that I played the song for too mm -hmm. uh, has been delighted by it. You know, well, it, it's a catchy phrase, and you know, she said how it came about. You know, everyone around her house was going, "Yeah, Trump won." You know it, and then so all of a sudden, it became just kind of like a little thing you mumble or sing under your breath. And her producer heard it, and they went and had a field day with it and had some fun. And that's what it is. It's fun, but you know, it's 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 reiterating what people are really thinking. Everybody thinks it. For two and a half years, no. For two and a half years, people like you and me have been silenced by the mainstream media. Like, oh, hey, that's disinformation. That's unsubstantiated. Uh, it's not the truth. I mean, when we say things like, we think the election was stolen. 
Mm-hmm. We say it, and we are criticized, and we are told to be quiet. We're silenced. But the fact of the matter is, in a free and open society like we supposedly are, speaking our mind, whether it's right or wrong, shouldn't be an issue. We should be able to say what we believe without fear of being silenced and uh, censored. But that's not what happens right now. Right now, it's a very scary time. We're living in a time that's probably as bad as, as Russia in 1955. Yeah. Well, the media, you've got, and you've got the left that sits there and they take everything and they regurgitate it and they throw it out there. You know, and I, I will give the left credit that, you know, they had a machine going for a while to where they were putting out memes that were just wrong. They were misinformation. But the one thing, you know, and they were vile, but what they, what they were is some of them, I'd sit there and go, well, it is funny. And they were using that as their as their door opener to push their, you know, their their BS agenda, mm-hmm. you know. And now all of a sudden, the left isn't funny anymore. They're just angry. Look at because they have the nighttime talk shows, Bill. They had yeah, the Steve but they're all Clinton. angry. They're all angry. They're not yeah. even funny. And and yeah, they got those talk shows, and it's like, all right, these guys that do those talk shows. Their finger has to be on the pulse of what America is talking about and thinking. But they put a woke audience in there, and then they sit there and tell these woke jokes. And so mainstream America, and see, a lot of people don't realize this. Apparently the Democrats, they don't. They go, well, we got New York, and we got California, and we got Los Angeles. You know, they got their little strongholds, the big population centers account, but the way things are cut, sliced, and diced, mainstream America, most of America, they really don't think this way. So we've got, we've got a small amount of people being represented as a majority mm-hmm. that's dictating the rule of land to the majority, and they're really a minority of people, if that makes sense. No, it I'm, does. Look at, the, look at the, the speed that this song became a hit. I mean, as soon as people listen to it, they go out and buy it because it's it's something. It, it it expresses their feelings. Something out there is saying what they feel. You know, I think that's the success, the success of our podcast. Our <laughs> podcast succeeds because we have struck a nerve with a lot of people. We're just two normal, average guys who look critically at the news, do a little bit of thinking. And don't speak the uh, corporate line, so to speak. And uh, a lot of people like that. I mean, if you if you saw the numbers that we've had recently, uh, you'd know what we're talking about. A lot of people have found the show. We don't even know how they've done it because Bill, Bill, I'm sure, will agree. We haven't done any promotion, so to speak. We've just done the show every day. We've yeah, been and, here. But that's, that's the way podcasting works. Everyone goes, oh, you get a podcast together and, and, you know, I've appeared on some other people's podcast and generally speaking, you pro- promote your podcast by being on somebody else's podcast. And then they talk about you and, and I've done that thing. And, you know, podcasting is not as easy as people think, because number one, you better have a message. You better have a point and you better at least, you know, be semi good at it. And when I say semi good, doesn't mean that you have to be this, you know, slick, slick willy, you know, on, on the microphone. 
But you do have to know what you're talking about and make sense with it. But even after all of that, promotions and everything, there's 198,000 shows out there trying to do what we do. But and a lot of them will do like uh, eight minutes, and they'll do it once a week or once every so often. Uh, there's no consistency to it. And what we've learned is that you have to show up every day and you have to be consistent with your format and your presentation and you have to put a lot of work into it. Bill will tell you, I mean, we spend, I spend hours sometimes combing through uh, the different news sites to find the different stories that we talk about on our show. And you yeah. do the same thing uh, where you are. Um, yeah, you put together the audio, so I already know that. So I'm sitting there going, what do I need to know, at least have basic knowledge on? And yeah. when I say that, doesn't mean that I'm, you know, oblivious to the news. But you got to, you, you have don't to know have what's going to be in the cycle of the news yeah. when you get up the next morning. Yep. You have to have a good understanding of the day's events. You just do yeah. uh, to do this show. But anyway, uh, interesting thing yesterday, Trump, speaking of Trump, uh, did a video. And Bill, it is kind of the scariest video I've ever heard him do. Uh, it's only three minutes and 20 seconds. But he talks about where we are right now as a country, what a dangerous situation we're in. And it implies, at least to me, that we, we may not be able to wait until 2024. Listen to the tape. We have never been closer to World War III than we are today under Joe Biden. A global conflict between nuclear armed powers would mean death and destruction on a scale unmatched in human history. It would be nuclear Armageddon. Nothing is more important than avoiding that nightmare. We will avoid it, but we need new leadership. Every day this proxy battle in Ukraine continues, we risk global war. We must be absolutely clear that our objective is to immediately have a total secession of hostilities. All shooting has to stop. This is the central issue. We need peace without delay. In addition, there must also be a complete commitment to dismantling the entire globalist neocon establishment that is perpetually dragging us into endless wars, pretending to fight for freedom and democracy abroad, while they turn us into a third world country and a third world dictatorship right here at home. The State Department, the defense bureaucracy, the intelligence services, and all of the rest need to be completely overhauled and reconstituted to fire the deep staters and put America first. We have to put America first. Finally, we have to finish the process we began under my administration of fundamentally reevaluating NATO's purpose and NATO's mission. Our foreign policy establishment keeps trying to pull the world into conflict with a nuclear-armed Russia based on the lie that Russia represents our greatest threat. But the greatest threat to Western civilization today is not Russia. It's probably, more than anything else, ourselves and some of the horrible USA-hating people that represent us. 
It's the abolition of our national borders. It's the failure to police our own cities. It's the destruction of the rule of law from within. It's the collapse of the nuclear family and fertility rates like nobody can believe is happening. It's the Marxists who would have us become a godless nation worshiping at the altar of race and gender and environment. And it's the globalist class that has made us totally dependent on China and other foreign countries that basically hate us. These globalists want to squander all of America's strength, blood, and treasure, chasing monsters and phantoms overseas while keeping us distracted from the havoc they're creating right here at home. These forces are doing more damage to America than Russia and China could ever have dreamed. Evicting this sick and corrupt establishment is the monumental task for the next president. And I am the only one who can do it. I'm the only one that can get the job done. I know exactly what has to be done. President Trump, he did that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he didn't pull a lot of punches there. He said the biggest threat to our society isn't Russia. It's us. It's us. Well, you know, the point is, is that we are weak and getting weaker. And you have a president that doesn't give two rats asses about you or this country or me. He, all he wants to do is buy another mansion, you know, is make it, you know, and, and, and graduate from life with as much money and things as possible. That's what he wants to do. Uh, Z in China was sitting there going, he's talking about one world order. You know, he wants a new world order, but his new world order that he's talking about is all under China. Right. And so they look at us and they see us as an easy prey. You know, and, and I'm looking at different things. You know, we had the balloon thing that went on. We had the rocket yeah. that reentered that got torn up, but it doesn't matter. So you got that. You got the Russians that are messing around with our drone, uh, our drones. We got our border crisis going on. China's sitting there with a new uh, strategic stealth bomber, an exact, you know, line by line, piece by piece, carbon copy of ours. And I'm going, well, for that to be that, that means they had to get intel and still, you know, get the, some information. I'm not going to say they stole it. I will. I'm going to say somebody pilfered some information, you know, which is exactly what they're looking into with Biden right now, you know, because... And yet he's so confident and so cocky, he just walks along and kind of smirks it all off like it's no big deal, you're not going to catch us. But it's so obvious to to most people who are paying attention, and that's the problem. Up until recently, most people haven't been paying attention in our country. I think a lot of people right after 2020 who are just... uh, into their own thing, like, you know, doing their job or, or uh, watching sports. They weren't paying attention to politics and uh, what had happened in 2020. But I do think because of the crash of the economy and because of uh, how it has hurt us all in our pocketbooks, uh, people have started to reevaluate what's going on. And they've taken a closer look and they realize that this guy, the emperor has no clothes. This guy, Biden, he is um, not who he purports to be. He's uh, he's. Uh, some people will call him, and it will be proved. They they say some people say he's a traitor. 
He's well, a trader. I believe he is a trader. And, you know, when you talk about the economy going to hell in a handbasket, and which is why the feds are pumping the brakes, for jacking up the rates to slow down the economy, yada, 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 yada. But we built a machine. It was built under Trump, but the machine was built to where this economy is more or less out of control. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that's a bad thing. I mean, the economy is actually apparently doing well, if that is true. But here's the, here's the thing about it is that the money is not coming to us. It's, it's going to the rich people. Well, the economy, it isn't doing well, in my opinion. I mean, that's, uh, I mean it has a, a strength of its own. It's resilient. Yeah, that, it's resilient. It can take a lot of hits and, and not collapse. Other economies might have collapsed already. Maybe that's what uh, you mean by... Uh, it, right, it's, the, machine, the machine works, but the machine, and it's spitting out money. You know, but it is not spitting money in my pocket or your pocket. As a matter of fact, I'm walking away with less money. You're walking away with less money. So who's getting the money? The Bill Gates of the world who sat there and said, oh, yeah, I'm going to push for, you know, environmental change and all of this stuff, but I'm not going to not fly in my Learjets. <laughs> yeah, right. He laughs at it. The, the problem also is that they're printing too much money right now. Their answer, the Biden administration, is, well, we need more money. So instead of uh, working with the money that's already in circulation and trying to build a stronger economy with that, which is what some economists will say you have to do, you, you, don't, you don't go back and print new money and weaken what's already out there. And, but that's what the Biden administration is doing. They asked uh, Budget Director Shalonda Young in a congressional hearing a couple of days ago, will this uh, new budget... Uh, Will it strengthen or will it reduce our debt? Will it strengthen our economy? Listen to what she had. This is the budget director under the Biden administration. Government trust you think, you think it budget reduces debt? Uh, our budget focuses on the deficit, which in no, turn has that. an impact on okay. the debt. That's a no. Okay, that's fine. So is President Biden's budget balanced? Meaning, does it, are you going to, are we going to spend more than we collect? Uh, Senator, no, because we believe that would hurt working families. Oh, my gosh. This is the budget director. This mm-hmm. is the budget director. I mean, they are um, – this is what you get when you hire almost experts, but not quite. You should be hiring experts for certain key positions in government, and Biden didn't do that. He hired based upon equity and diversity. Yeah, and you know what? Um you got to balance that budget. And I think of a country, uh, I remember doing a, uh, you know, one of those radio shows for, you know, talking about things of the world back. Uh, I think I did it back in the eighties or something like that. But either way, it was a, it was a country that sat there and said, we'll print more money. We'll print more money. I mean, and there were, there were, there were bills that had a value that weren't in the millions, the billions, or the trillions of dollars, they were in the, you know, what a gazillion dollars. And you could sit there and you can buy bagfuls of money where you got a $15 trillion bill or a $10 trillion bill, you know, and that country went bust in my way. I know. Uh, there are and, a, lot of, a lot of countries like in, in Africa, <laughs> you got to... Ten, like you say, he's a ten billion dollar bill for your services rendered. What what does it equal? It equals about ten bucks. 
Um, no, not even that. It, <laughs> it, it, it usually is, thank you, you gave me a billion-dollar bill. So you're paying me for my needs or, you know, for what, what my services, which in, to, in the real value of that, that bill, I probably owe you 150 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, the thing is, when you look at this administration and, and what they're doing, if you were to intentionally want to cripple a country, if you, if you intentionally want to bring a successful country to its knees, you would do everything that this administration is doing right now. Yeah. And, you know, I got to ask you, hmm? you know, they're, they're following the money trail and they're seeing all the Bidens that have gotten payoffs directly from China. Right. Joe has received money galore and the media is trying to back him up saying, well, you know, he's gotten that from book deals and royalties. Oh. And there are books out there, but, you know, for a book that is the thickness of a phone book, mm-hmm. If it's got real content in it, and there's words and paper, so it's got content in it. Do you think Joe sat there religiously every day for nine months and wrote down even notes about it? Not a chance. Oh, I don't either, and that's what it would take. Nope. You, you, you would get up in the morning, and you'd be working on that book yep. all day until you went to bed at 1 in the morning. No, Joe, Joe didn't do that. I don't think he's disciplined enough to do that. But you can buy the book for three sixty nine online, but that and makes do you me think wonder. That, do you think that book for three sixty nine is making him a, a the money that he says he's worth? I mean, well, I I I think I, I think that uh, these books that you see in the in uh, the bookstores, yeah. they serve two purposes, uh, or maybe three. They're a marketing ploy, you know, Michelle Obama, blah 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 blah. And there's the book with her picture on it. And she didn't really write the book. Somebody, or, mm-hmm. you know, a ghostwriter wrote the book for her. And it's there. It's propaganda. It's BS. Right. But it's a front to launder money to her. Right. So it, 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 it fulfills a marketing campaign. It, it's, uh, it's a mental thing. Oh, well. Look at that, you know. She she wrote a book. It's a She's way smart and important person. It's a way to to funnel, yeah, it's, funnel it, money to them. Yep. It's a it's a money funnel because Joe didn't. You know, he's not a book writer. Jill's not a book writer, and I believe because they're floating the story right now that Hunter is. You know, is Joe going to pardon Hunter? Well, you know they're not. At, they're not answering the questions in the press conference. Karine Jean-Pierre was asked a question about uh, Hunter Biden, and she walked away yesterday. Yeah. She just turned around and walked away. Uh, I uh, think that I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, I see, I think I think they're, I think they know exactly what they're going to do, but they can't tell you that because when they do it, you know, we, we would never let them do it. But we don't know. For sure, what they're going to do, but I, it sure smells like it. Sure sounds like it. And, and and Hunter Biden's sister-in-law, former sister-in-law, and former paramour. Yeah. Because you know when Biden's brother Bo died, yeah, after, Hunter after stepped a, in right away. Yeah, after a short period of uh, mourning, uh, Hunter stepped in to console and comfort uh, his sister-in-law, and they had a relationship for two years. I think her name yeah. is I think her name is Haley, and yeah. um, she got money. She got money. Yeah, she got part of those checks from the 
Chinese government. And there's still yet another person, uh, because she was the unnamed person we were talking about the other day. But now there's another Biden out there. How many Bidens are there? Oh, man, they got, mo- they got more than the Hatfields and the McCoys combined. They really do. They're, you they're, know, I'm still waiting for Jill's name to show up. They're keeping her clean for some reason. But you know what? She, she's not the smartest cookie in the world. If you were to do a soap opera and you were to cast characters like the characters in the Biden family, you probably wouldn't get a, a go sign from the uh, network because they would say, this is too preposterous. You, there's no family like this. But... Uh, well, there is. I, there is. Yes, exactly. I'm just waiting for, you know, his his uh, his uh, uh, brother Josephus, you know, the uh, or, or yeah. Joe Creepus, he, the illegitimate son that, that come forward out there, you know, and has his own line of beer or something like that, and he's got no teeth. <laughs> like he, Billy Beer, remember he, that? Give it time. <laughs> give it time. It may happen. Um I would imagine that uh, there's talk now uh, in uh, in Washington about impeaching Biden. There is talk. Yeah, uh, there is. Uh, but but what, what, where do we go? You know, they they, they don't want a Kamala in there. That's right. Kamala's just sitting just in the rear going, I'm not qualified. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> but I might get the job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just wait then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. My broom? <laughs> We're doomed. Um, yeah. So I guess what you're saying is it's better to have the devil you know than the devil you don't know running the country. Pretty much, yeah. Speaking of devil, uh, going back a little bit to uh, Natasha Owens, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the song I just mentioned here real quick, there's a guy, um, Rolf, I think. He's a Patriot guy. He's got a, a song that's out there now. I haven't heard it, but apparently it's doing well too. Uh, I guess it's a parody. From the title, well, I will have oh, to. The devil went down to Georgia, so I'm, and that would be, you know, I will have to give uh, it a listen. But the neat thing about her song is it's totally original, and it's it hit it touches all the bases. I mean, she, well, what I'm she, saying is there are a lot of people now they they're compelled to put stuff out there, and and there there have been people doing it before, and they were so so, but it doesn't matter if 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 people get, you know empowered to do so that is you know that's something that the left can't stop the neat thing about her song is it it production values or her production values are amazing she uses really good musicians it sounds like a nashville production you know the the all of the instruments all of the uh, the mixing it's it's a professional song it's well done even the you got to see the video, friends. If you haven't seen the video, you're missing half of the uh, impact of the song because you got Trump dancing on the stage, and it looks like he's dancing to the song. You have, uh, you know, Joe Biden at one point, he says, and you can hear it on the song, oh, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> they put some time into this, and it's easy to see why it's doing well. Uh Interesting thing on another, another subject. Uh, I, th- I thought this was interesting, Bill, and I, w- I got to get this out there. Board, border wall pieces sit on the ground as a record number of illegals cross our border. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Biden administration would rather waste millions of dollars than secure the border. They are spending around $130,000 
every single day doing nothing with unused border wall panels. This adds up to nearly $50 million a year. These numbers are based on a request for information to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, although the Corps uh, did say that the cost to the government cannot be finalized until audits are completed and negotiations with contractors are concluded. But if I remember correctly, President Trump had a terrible time getting the money to fund the, the, the wall. He eventually went to his, mm-hmm. his security fund and said, this is national security, we need the wall, I'll get the money there. And I think it was, was it $4 billion to do the wall or $5 billion? He didn't have a lot of money to work with, but they're, they're blowing $50 million in a year just by, what, protecting the unused sections of the wall that are lying around? Yeah, and you know what? They are the ones that sat there and uh, made it difficult. They did everything they could they did. to keep Trump from, from funding that wall, and then they, they poo-pooed it and made fun of it and, you know, anything they could to sit there and uh, try to make it a big failure. It wasn't a failure. It was an attack by the left on a campaign promise. Right. And... Unfortunately, I think that they have forever changed, uh, you know, in people's minds how we play the game of politics because it is a game. No, you're right. Uh, anyway, fi- I thought you'd be interested. $50 million a year just to le- let the stuff sit there and rust. And I didn't realize how tall that wall was, but I did see a picture, not from the U.S. side, but from the Rio Grande side, the river side. And mm-hmm. I guess there's a, on most areas, there's a fairly steep riverbank and then the wall. And it's, right. qu- it's quite substantial. You can't, you have a hard time getting over that wall. And this is what Trump was building. And this is what Biden stopped. And because of yeah. that, we have so many, <clears throat> we have so many people who can't, uh, who can't be caught. Who, so many people who get across. I, I was, I heard a figure the other day, which was, mind-boggling, like 300,000 people who've uh, gotten into this country and they call them gotaways because they weren't stopped at all. They would just they just crossed the border and kept going. And You've always had a border crossing issue, but not to this degree. I mean, back in the 70s, um, yeah, you had it, but it was nothing like this. No, you're you know, right. If you, if you did anything down around the border, you know it was nothing like this. Another interesting topic uh, for you to think about over the weekend is uh, the pandemic and the vaccinations, the the things that were pushed on us for two years. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. joined uh, one of the podcasts, the the Jimmy Dore podcast recently, to discuss the U.S. involvement with bioweapons programs, Fauci, uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, funding of uh, controversial... uh, gain-of-function research, and uh, the anthrax scare of 2001. I didn't realize that he was involved. I remember hearing something about uh, an anthrax scare back in 2001, but it was suppressed quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, Kennedy spoke with, uh, with Dore about the bioweapons accidents and Fauci, and it's not a very long clip. Uh, and by the way, understand that... Uh, Robert Kennedy has uh, a, 
something wrong with his voice. It is, I think it's spasmodic. Uh, anyway, it's it makes his voice quiver. It is not something that is intentional or natural. It is uh, an ailment that he has. But he's a smart guy, and uh, what he had to say uh, it makes you think twice. Listen. The Pentagon was very worried about actually launching a full-blown bioweapons arms race because they said nobody, you know, this is very sketchy. The Patriot Act, you know, exemptions are very sketchy and people don't even know about it. And so they didn't want to do it. So they took the money that Cheney gave them, $2.2 billion, and they funneled it through NIH. And it all went through Anthony Fauci. So beginning in 2002, Anthony Fauci got a 68% raise from the Pentagon for doing bioweapons development. And he got a raise of billions of dollars a year to do it. And then he started building, doing. that's when they started doing all this gain of function. And then in 2014, three of those bugs escaped in high profile escapes from different labs in the United States. Fauci built all these new labs at BU, at Galveston, to do the to do his shenanigans. And so four or three of the bugs escaped and they, they received publicity and they had smallpox and a lot of really bad things. And then Congress held hearings on it. Everybody was angry, these bugs escaped and 300 scientists, top scientists sent letters to Obama saying you've got to shut down Anthony Fauci because he's going to create a pandemic. And so Obama ordered a moratorium. And at that time, Fauci had 18 different uh, gain-of-function experiments he was doing around the United States. But uh, Obama ordered him to shut them all down, but he didn't. He instead moved his stuff offshore to Wuhan, where he could do it out of sight of these 300 scientists and nosy White House officials who were trying to shut him down. And they continued to do it with Ralph Barrick, the same people he was funding here, Ralph Barrick and Peter Daszak, and they moved their operations to the Wuhan lab. Interesting. Robert Kennedy Jr., and I don't agree with a Mm -hmm. lot of things he talks about, but uh, he really seems to be on Fauci. He really seems to have a strong... Uh, understanding of what Fauci's done. Well, Fauci is, uh, look, in, in recent light of day, it's been uh, it's been proven Fauci has lied. He lied all the way through. Everything he said was a lie. Uh, January 6th, everything was a lie. Beforehand was a lie. Uh, he's, he's a liar and a cheat. We just saw this morning uh, on one of the news sites, we were talking about it before the show started, that I guess Pfizer, some documents came oh, out that yeah, said Pfizer. Pfizer has said, admitted that uh, the vaccine might uh, cause some uh, myocarditis, myocarditis issues in some people. They knew that going into the distribution of the vaccine, which means that Fauci must have known about it too. Yeah. Now, now who owns Pfizer? What's that guy's name? Uh, I think, is it Gates? Is yeah, that, yeah, Bill Gates, yeah. yeah. The lot- guy that likes to fly around in his Learjet and uh, buy up farmland and uh, build the pharmaceutical industry. 
You know, we need to sue the pants off of the pharmaceutical industry. Well, you can't do I mean, it. Do you remember what the agreement was when... Um, you can't sue them. Yeah, when they came out with the vaccine, they they signed an agreement with the federal government saying, uh, we'll, we'll put this vaccine together as soon as we can, but we won't have our normal test period because you want it out as, as fast as we can. So if we follow your instructions, government... And that's Tony Fauci and Dr. Burks and the like. If we follow what you want us to do, then you have to hold us harmless in case there's a problem. And the government agreed to do that. The government said, we won't see you. You, you, know, you can essentially give us whatever you got. We'll take it. We'll use it. We'll distribute it. And uh, we'll live with the consequences. Well, a lot of people haven't lived with the consequences. They've died because of yep. the consequences. I was reading a, an article a couple of days ago, Bill, that the cases of myocarditis in young athletes has gone up 300% since the vaccine was distributed. Almost makes you wonder if the the vaccine was meant to do something else. Because, you know, usually when somebody develops uh, a virus or anything like that, some yeah. some some chemical deterrent, you know, before you release it, you come up with the antidote. So why, you know, every protocol that we know or believe should be in place never was in place. You right. know, Fauci is taking the high road, talking about what a great saint he was. Turns out he has been a liar, 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 liar. His pants are still on fire. <laughs> and But yet he still touts it. Oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we did our, you know, not gain of function, but, you know, he, yeah. he just, he babbles on and on and on. We know he's guilty. We know there's, th that guy should be publicly. Now, a lot of people who are Trump supporters might say, and you have to think about this for a second, they might say, well, wasn't he working for Trump? And the answer would be, I think, yes. Well, actually, he was there long before Trump became president. And so he... Trump met him as an established employee of the federal government and, and quote, an expert. And like we've talked about many times before in this podcast, Trump wasn't uh, very knowledgeable of the comings and goings, the inner workings of Washington. He had only visited the town, I think he said, like 13 times in his life before he became president. Yeah. And, and so he had to take the opinions and the advice of a lot of people who he felt had more experience, and that mm -hmm. and that being said, some of them were not to be trusted, and we found that out, and he found this out over the course of the four years. Now, he, he was told by Fauci and by Dr. Brooks, this vaccine is a miracle vaccine. Uh, you got to distribute it, and, and he trusted them. He trusted them. I think he knows, I, I'm not, privy to anything with President Trump, obviously, but I think he knows better now. I think he knows if he gets into office this second time around, uh, things will be different at the ranch, you know, and I think that the people who are in Washington in the deep state, they fear this the most. If he gets in again, it's uh, there's a new sheriff in town and uh, things are going to be totally different. But he's got to be careful where he walks and how he dances because um, there are things out there that we don't know about. 
that he became privy to, and he there were promises he had to break. You know, maybe the UFO thing was one. You know, you don't want to know what I found out there. Yeah, right. Um, So that being the case, um, it's not going to be an easy task for him to do what he wants to do. Well, and you hear him talk. You hear him talk, Bill. It sounds like he's knows exactly. He says he'll solve the Ukraine-Russian problem in 24, 24 hours. You have to applaud his, uh, his confidence. Yeah, well, yeah, he's, he's going to dance around a lot of things. But, you know, I, I look at Washington, and we've said it before, you know, you're, you're the president of the United States. You are a part-time employee, but look at, the Obama, look at Obama. Was he really a part-time employee, or did he become a part of this deep state? Yeah, that's true. And, well, I, you, know, you know what I you know what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Hillary's a part of the deep state. You know. Right. Is Joe. You know when you think about state? it, think about this. Hillary is more of a player in politics now, right now than her husband who was the president. Yeah. Bill Clinton has faded away into the sunset. Hillary is still an active player. You know, Hillary, now she came from Republican parents and yada yada, but she became a big leading Democrat. She wrote the impeachment papers uh, for Nixon. That was her task. And it was probably her it was probably her assignment to get into the club. I don't know. know Have you heard this, Bill? They've they've said that there have been a number of assassination attempts on Trump recently. Mm hmm. And uh, you don't hear a word about it from anybody anywhere. Fortunately, they have failed. But, uh, you know, God bless him. The guy has the courage to be still be out there. And he has to know that there are a lot of people who want him done, who want him off Hillary. the stage. Uh, Hillary. Yeah, Hillary does. And uh, I, think she's, know, she, I think she she's one of many. her little thing two different ways. Yeah, she's one of many, though, Bill. She's yeah. one of many uh, right. who, who want him uh, off the stage. I love the fact that his attitude is, nope, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again. But I in in the speech that he gave on that video that mm-hmm. we played earlier, uh, there was an urgency that uh, said to me, "We're not gonna make it to 2024. This has to happen sooner." And I truly believe that's what he was implying in that in that audio in that video uh he was saying uh we're in a dangerous situation we're so close to nuclear war and we better do something pretty darn fast or we're not going to be around for future elections but i don't think people understand today what nuclear war really is i think that you know, America, you know, they, they see the stuff of the Cold War and all the propaganda stuff, but I don't really, I think that they think that they're, well, it might be bad for other people, but I'm going to be all right. I think you're right. I think people envision nuclear war almost like a video game. They've been yeah. inoculated to it. It's like, oh, you know, well, I hope we don't have a nuclear war. Hey, you want to go to a movie tonight? You know, it's like when I was a kid and we lived under the fear of a nuclear war, Back in 1962, um, there was legitimate fear. I remember, Bill, uh, I think it was the Cuban Missile Crisis, 
And it came up on the weekend. It was a Friday, and I was just a kid, and I remember knowing that the whole country was afraid of what might be. And what might be was that Nikita Khrushchev might have said, uh, fire one. And if that had happened, we wouldn't be here today. People don't seem to understand how destructive nuclear wars are. I mean, total well, devastation. Well, they, they see that we can rebuild things, we can do this, we can do that. There's a pill to possibly protect you, but what the world is going to be and for how long it's going to be, um, that's that's something else that remains to be said. The pill they're talking yeah, about, that the, iodine pill? Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, if you, you if know, you, you're talking about the iodine pill. Yeah, but, but if, the, if if you're living downwind, that's great. But if you're living in a major city that's nailed, if you're hitting, oh, well, you're, yeah, you're you're, you're, you're done. incinerated. Yeah, well, I, I see. I I think you know they they hear well, you'd be eviscerated. You'd be gone before you even knew it. Well, that is true. But chances of you being at point zero, or you know, you know, you know, where you know the X marks marks the spot. May not happen, but if you're within twelve miles of it, you know, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna die a, a, a slower, agonizing, agonizing death. Uh, Fifty or a hundred miles away, it's gonna be slow and and yeah. agonizing. And if you're going, oh, well, what would you mean by that, Bill? Well, you know what? Go get a pot of water, boil it up, get it as hot as you can get, and stick your face in it. You know, and that would not even be an nth of what you're gonna go through. You know, yeah. and don't boil a pot of water and stick your face in it. <laughs> but uh, well, don't worry, Bill. I'm not going to. I, but I, but I, somebody out there is going. Oh, I'm going to take that challenge. You know, <laughs> the Bill Knight challenge. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, don't water, take boiling don't, water. Do not take Bill Knight's challenge. <laughs> it's not my challenge. No. But I'm just saying that's how stupid thinking that you're going to survive a nuclear war is. You know, if you, lo- if, you if you love your your kids. And your grandchildren, there should be nothing more more frightening right now than having Joe Biden and his finger on the trigger. This clown, and I say this intentionally, is walking us right towards war. Yes, and, he and, is. And his sycophants in Washington, there's something strange happening in our nation's capital. There's a poll that came out recently. I, I forgot which, which company. It might have been Rasmussen. But they said that like 75% of the country does not want to be involved with the Ukrainian war. It, That's true. It, it was a big figure. Yet in that little tiny spot called the District of Columbia, the nation's capital, the politicians, they are just hell-bent to get us more involved, get us into a shooting war. Look at Lindsey Graham. What the heck is going on with this guy? You know, and they would say to us, Bill, they would hear us talk and say, well, that's not very patriotic. You know, we think in the long run it's important that we show our our dominance in world politics and world governance and all this garbage. We have diluted our army's arsenals so that we're at a point now that we can We'd have a hard time supplying weaponry to our own armies. We also are on a, on a, in a situation where we could be fighting on two fronts, China and Russia. How do we fight two major nuclear powers and two major armies and we can't supply our own troops? 
Zappies were being given our stuff away. I mean, we left $89 billion worth of supplies in Afghanistan. You heard Trump. When that happened, he said the first thing he would have done, would have, he would have packed that stuff up, and that would have been the first thing to go. Get rid of the mm-hmm. equipment. But no, Biden just left it. And his stupid generals and admirals, his advisors said, oh, that's a good idea. Just leave it there. Let's get them out of there. Uh, it, is, it is unbelievable how we're, how we're sitting in a bus and we have nobody who knows how to drive it racing us down the road uh, at like 65 or 70 miles an hour. We have someone sitting in the seat who's, he might as well be unconscious. And we're just sitting there going along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Well, the bus is rolling downhill, so you know it's going to make it to its destination at the bottom of the hill. But And that's the bus we're on. It's scary, Bill. It really is scary. When you think about it, many times when we're not recording, when the show is over, I'll be sitting around doing some work and thinking, gosh, d- does anybody out there know just how dire our situation really is? I mean, we have people, really, I, look no. at, I look at my neighborhood and I see guys, you know, they were fertilizing their lawns and doing all these domestic things and the kids are running around playing. I'm thinking, my God, you would think that there would be some urgency to what's happening in our world right now, but there isn't. No, there isn't. Anyway. It's a sad situation and it's only going to get sadder. And I do believe that we are on the brink of uh, some kind of nuclear conflict. Somebody is going to fire off a nuke. Now, the question is, what are we going to do when it happens? Well, you got uh, Joe Biden with his finger on the trigger. Uh, do you really think you he's going to do it? You know, do you think he's going to do it? Or is, well, is he out there? He's been a patsy for the Chinese from the day he stepped into the office. We would, he would never fire upon China. Do you think that Trump would have waited until the balloon went over all of our military installations and got out over to the Atlantic Ocean before they shot it down, I think Trump would have nailed it the moment it got into U.S. airspace. Yeah, I think he would have too, but it it depends on the intel. I mean, was Joe getting the intel? Did Joe know it was coming over? I'm not trying to talk in his defense. Or He said he did. They said they said he knew yeah, over the. He Ilu- said he did, and then that means he is an idiot. They said they knew over the Aleutian Islands. They knew before it hit the Aleutian Islands off of Alaska that uh, this this balloon was headed our way. Yeah, but then you know, since he's been in office, apparently these balloons have been coming over all the time. They know about those too. Well, I don't know. You know, we're not getting a lot of straight answers. All I do know is will. all I do know is those balloons that they they travel right across our military installations. He did nothing, but then again, he just, he's done nothing in our border to secure it. Uh, everything he's done has been to benefit uh, people like uh, Xi Jinping, you know, yeah. his buddy in China. He brags about the fact that he no no leader in the world has had more one-on-ones with Xi Jinping than me. Yeah, I'd like to find out what those meetings were all about. Uh, maybe. Well, you know, he'd like to know what they were about because he certainly <laughs> held. That's true. He doesn't know. He doesn't remember. That's true. Hey, listen, if you want to contact us, you can contact us at our phone number here, 833-538-7868, 833-538-7868.
<laughs> mail at it's another day.com. Uh, there's mail at crnamerica.com. Or if you really want to be brave, uh, you know, you can be an advocate uh-huh. and uh, just start uh, uh, writing into different little publications, the editor of the paper, stuff like that. Going, hey, found a podcast. I like it. You ought to try it out. Yes. You know, they may print it. They may not. You never know, but it's worth a shot. That's true. Have a great yes. weekend, my friend. We'll see you on the uptake. Yeah. See you tomorrow. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million?